everybody. This is Incorruptible Massachusetts. Our mission is to help you understand state politics. Uh, we talk about why it's so broken. We talk about what we could have here in Massachusetts if we fixed it, and also how you can get involved. And uh, first, let's introduce ourselves nice and quick. So um, Jordan Berg Powers, do you want to go first? Uh, my name is Jordan Berg Powers. I use he, him, um, and I work in progressive politics in Massachusetts. Jonathan Cohn. Jonathan Cohn, uh, he, him, and I've been an active volunteer for progressive electoral and issue campaigns for the past eight years here in Massachusetts. I'm Anna Callahan, she, her, coming out of Medford, um, also super interested in state politics, local politics, but state politics especially. Um, and uh, we today, we're talking about hearings. It is the season, tis the season. It's the season of hearings. Um, all the bills that get proposed at the beginning of the session, they all have to have a hearing. And so now we're having all the hearings and we're gonna talk about a few of those. Um, and we're also gonna talk about how, uh, how useful hearings are and what kind of comes out of hearings. Um, that's gonna be the how broken our state house is part. <laughs> so um, there are a bunch of hearings coming up. There's one, um, I think, uh, Jonathan, you were saying that tomorrow is a qualified yep. immunity bill and some other mm -hmm. policing uh, bills. There's um, you know, Medicare for all and uh, tenants opportunity to purchase coming up in October. Um, life without parole. Uh, I think you said that was today. So a brief a briefing today, but I briefing think it's probably coming up soon. Yeah. So first, let's you know any sort of comments on those in particular. I know Mass Care is organizing folks to um, you know really put together stories about their personal life and how lack of uh, healthcare uh, and lack specifically of a single payer Medicare for all style healthcare system uh, has affected you. So that's a thing that you can get involved in. And I, I imagine that all, for all of these bills, it is a similar question that they're always looking for people who can come to these hearings and provide testimony. Um, and I can, yeah. I, can, I can definitely say on that. So like whether, whether they move legislators, some of the testimony that you do hear at, you do hear at hearings uh, can be quite powerful. Uh, kind of an example of that when I was at the hearing recently for the the bill with the acronym ACEs, it's kind of for alternative kind of community-based emergency response uh, programs. And you had a number of people, especially where I was working in like kind of the mental health space and kind of the social work space, talking about kind of either their clients or even some people themselves about how that bill could have made a diff made a positive difference. And right, kind of with its recognition that there are many things where a, a, a guy with a gun typically a guy, sometimes not all police are men, but typically a guy with a gun uh, is not going to be the one to solve a lot of problems and that you need somebody who actually has kind of the right skill sets and the right de-escalation and service-oriented mindset. Yeah, and if you get in, you know, the thing that's so amazing about these hearings is some people share some really powerful stories, mm -hmm. like, you know, especially around ACEs. I mean, ACEs is a groundbreaking idea that we understand trauma that kids face and trauma, not just simply being violence um, that we think of like gun violence or, or physical violence, but the violence of poverty, the violence of, of instability, of food hunger, and the ways in which those impact the ability of kids to learn, the ability of kids to function, to form um, emotionally stable um, adulthoods, right? Like the, that, 
that trauma actually interrupts those things. And if we are to help those kids, we need to understand those and give resources to those that are appropriate for those types of things, right? Like that's a groundbreaking and important thing. Um, and you hear some of these stories, they're really important. Uh, and so in that sense, I think the hearings are, could be places of true transformation, especially if you take to heart some of the things that you hear in these places. Um, one of the other ones that I know is near and dear to all of us is, and similarly, I don't know how you listen to the stories around medical debt and medic and medic and medicine um, and and sort of our, you know, our inability to access healthcare in affordable ways, um, and not under, you know, at the Medicare for All hearings. Like those are some of the most powerful hearings I've ever been to. Um, you know, the criminal justice reform bills, similarly. Yeah, I mean, I, I am a huge believer in stories affecting, you know, all sorts of things, right? I mean, if you're canvassing, you want to tell personal stories with the people that you're knocking the doors with. Um, I mean, I think that we move the conversation, you know, Bernie moved the conversation on Medicare for all from it basically being laughed out of the room to it being a, a you know, overwhelmingly popular policy across the nation through these town halls that he did with personal stories. So I totally agree with you, but I think we need to recognize that these hearings, the purpose is not for people to, not, is not to spread the word about these stories, right? These hearings, they are not recorded in ways that make it easy for people to hear those stories, to see those stories, to read those stories. That is not the purpose. Yeah. Go ahead, Jonathan. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I was just to note that, and it, it's a useful thing to keep in mind that if, if legislators, legislators could get by without actually having to hold hearings on bills, they would probably prefer not to hold hearings on bills. There is a requirement, though, that every bill gets a hearing. That doesn't mean every bill gets an exact hearing devoted to it's devoted to that one bill itself. And to some extent, like, yeah, that makes sense that if you have a bunch of bills about like conveying land from the state to some municipality or a bill that's about like changing the name of something locally that a, that a municipality wants to change. Yeah, bundle them together. You don't need a full on hearing for each. However, like you can, the legislature often gives people very little notice uh, for hearings, especially in the way of just making it something that's a rather pro forma uh, step rather than kind of a, any type of deep engagement a lot of the time. And you can tell one, when they actually care about hearing from more people when they give more lead time. Mm. Yeah, if only these stories were getting spread far and wide. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that the things about the hearings I think are relevant for our listeners is that they encapsulate the total failure of our system as a democracy, and also I would argue like everything about it, like all the things, it encapsulates all the things about it. So one, they are usually, um, because they, they don't, they rarely hear important testimony on bills individually, they bundle them together, so they marathon them. So these are really critical issues that all get put together into one place, as Jonathan just said. And so legislators don't listen. They they just walk away. They barely pay attention. They are tired. And I get it. They have 
you know, so there's the, um, t- on, on Thursday, September 23rd, there is the Joint Committee for the Judiciary. So that's the Senate and the House are going to be meeting on the judiciary. And I counted something like 40 bills that they are going to be hearing. And so if you think about like, just as a human, sitting there listening to compelling testimony on 40 bills is impossible. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to walk around. But that is a problem that they themselves have created, mm-hmm. right? So they create a system where they can't sit there to listen to a powerful testimony whose sole purpose is to, is to change their minds, right? Is to change their minds about those policies and they can't be there for them. And I just want to give you an idea of some of the things that are going to be discussed on Thursday, September 23rd. Asset forfeiture. Youth restorative justice, qualified immunity, um, you know, act relative to civil rights, drug overdose deaths, violent protection orders, abuse prevention, abuse prevention, really, this is a big issue, harassment orders, enhancing families harmed um, by lead, civil uh, forfeiture reforms, there's several bills on forfeiture reforms, um, right, there's so many things, body cameras, um, domestic violence, alcohol and substance abuse, right? Like it's just endless, um, you know, the, the amount of bills that are all going to be heard together and all of those deserve like, or at least groupings, right? There's some that are repetitive. <laughs> they deserve an airing, an, an ability to affect the legislators for them to take in that information, right? You could, of the 40 bills, there's probably five hearings, that are gonna get grouped into one hearing where legislators won't be able to sit there and so therefore won't listen and won't be compelled by the issues, let alone understand the issues, which most of them don't. Yeah. And the other thing I wanna talk about is how much time uh, progressive organizations put into these hearings. So, you know, they're, they're always, they're looking for, they prepare for months, right? They find out when the hearing is gonna be, they, you know, start looking for people who can tell personal stories. They reach deep into their networks. Um, they often have a training on how to tell your personal story to make it the most impactful. You got to prepare a three-minute one. You got to prepare a one-minute one because you're not sure exactly how long you're going to get to speak. Um, you got to practice those. You know, they've got to, you know, be doing all this mobilizing. They want to show that there are people there as well, so it's not just the speakers. Um, and you know, this is like months of preparation work that go into these hearings. Um, And when we first uh, decided to talk about hearings today, I think the phrase um, that we used was hearings and how little they matter in terms of affecting the legislature. And we have, have of course, talked a lot about um, how in general, the legislative, the state house is really affected uh, most, number one, by whatever uh, the speaker and leadership wants them to do. That seems to be the number one sort of cultural uh, thing affecting their decisions right now. Um, but there could be so many other things affecting them that have nothing to do with these hearings. And so when you're talking, Jordan, about how much they, they make these hearings so they literally can't even listen to them all. That fits into the total picture. Um, and I know, uh, Jonathan, you were also talking about sort of the press and, and yeah. how that could be helpful if only these stories were being, you know, talked yeah. about in the press. And, it, and it's something that, that I like to say when thinking about hearings is the question of who your audience is, right? When you're attending a hearing. 
um, of to what extent you're like with any speaking engagement, it's the useful thing to think of is like, so whom, whom are you actually talking to? Because the legislators up on the stage or rostrum or whatever the structure is, or just in like the panel area, probably are not attending this to have their mind changed, right? They either have a strong opinion, want and support a strong opinion against, or are waiting for cues from somebody else and what to think. Um, however, you have other different audiences that you could be talking to. One of them is the press. The, the problem is that most of the press don't stay very long for hearings. So if you're really not in like the first 30 minutes, it's probably not getting, it, you're probably not gonna be in any short write-up that exists and they tend to be short. Um, you still, from that perspective, it's still good to get a good write-up of the hearing that you just had. But it, beyond even that, it becomes the question of how can you make it so that the, the as an activist, you the hearing is not we're trying to change the minds of those on stage, but we're trying to use this uh, so that rather than like use this kind of as a tool, and that's where some things like, for example, like social media come in hand, handy, that if this hearing happens and like the kind of like if the tree falls and no one hears it, did it make a sound? That if your hearing happens and nobody knows about it, like, did it, did it make a difference? And that if you have the ability to, whether it's live tweeting the hearing itself, whether it's recording videos during the hearing of some of those powerful stories so they can live on beyond that bounded period, whether it's using the written testimonies that maybe your members are going to submit that fall into a black hole with the legislature, but actually keeping them, posting them, sharing them, maybe having them write, write into a local paper with those, helping to make sure that, that it is not a like, confined time, kind of time-bound event, but something that, that you use to build upon in your advocacy. Yeah, because again, just to, to say like, this is again the failure of the media. They're not, you know, there's a single payer hearing. It was one of the most, you know, compelling um, hearings that I've been to. I mean, these people shared stories in public. You can quote them, it's in public. They have their names attached to the ways in which our medical, um, our, our medical insurance system, and frankly, our, health, our hospital systems are, you know, milking and, and bankrupting people for access, for the, you know, audacity to try to get care so that they don't die. And it's just, an, you know, these stories are compelling and they're troubling and they should be front page stories. But instead, you'll get, um, you know, State House News, which most of our local papers just copy and paste their stories. You get a press release that's like, you know, um, from the insurance companies talking about how it can't happen, that's unaffordable. You'll get, you know, a lazy article, you'll get a lazy um, uh, quote from the chair saying, we're considering all options <laughs> to tackle it. And you'll get, you know, buried in the story, a line from somebody talking about their story, about their, about their story, right? Like it is, you know, and, and there's just no diving into these issues. Um, you know, as, as Jonathan said, there's going to be a compelling, uh, there's going to be a compelling, uh, on Thursday, September 23rd, there's going to be a compelling testimony on QI reform. I guarantee you that won't make it into the Boston Qualified Globe. immunity. Qualified immunity. I guarantee you that won't make it into the Boston Globe. You know, there's going to be a whole hearings on a set of the way in which our judicial system wastes money criminalizing poverty and addiction and not protecting people who are most vulnerable, i.e. people who have 
domestic or who are fleeing domestic violence, people who actually need help, barely get the help they need, right? Like, so, you know, that's gonna, that's, that should be, you could do series of, you could do a, you know, you could do a Sunday thing on test on what will be testified to and bills to address our systematic failure in criminal justice on, and, you know, I guarantee you won't even appear. <laughs> right, it's a systematic failure on all levels, um, and I just think our the progressive movement's focus on making sure that the hearing goes well and that we testimony looks right and getting the lineup of who's going to testify in the right order to something that's relatively meaningless is just bewildering. I think for a lot of us, and also frankly, um, just sad about how how far something that should be used. To, um, to inform our democracy is just like shouting into the wind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's, there's ways in which I think the system sets things up to get us to waste our time. And then we have to talk about how can we, within yeah. the system that exists, how can we make the most of it? So mm -hmm. the way that the hearings are set up, they don't affect the, legislature, the, the legislators, they, uh, they're completely not covered in the press, they're incredibly time consuming, but what, what you know, we're talking about today is how as progressives, like, and part of why we're doing this podcast is we have realized that it's important that we spread the word about things. We're not gonna get as much coverage in the press as we think is necessary. The state house doesn't get as much coverage in the press. The way that it actually works doesn't get coverage in the press. These hearings don't get coverage in the press. And so using social media and using our own networks um, to take these stories and really bring them to the public so that people understand what is, you know, what is happening in people's real lives and how these policies affect real people um, is super important. So any, any specific um, ways, I mean, we talked a little bit about social media, but Jonathan. Yeah, so I'm gonna tag in this and another thing for how hearings can be used is if you take it as an opportunity to view that the legislature is convening people who agree with you on a piece of legislation and think of it that way, so like, uh, you might get to meet, this is more so when there are in-person hearings again, so virtual for now, but you will get to connect with people who are working on a bill that you might not have already known. And to, use, to view it even from that perspective as well, is like, what are the relationships or the connections that I can get out of attending the same hearing as other people who also support the same bill as I do? And how can I build upon that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So hopefully this has been uh, pretty informative. Any final words on hearings? I think we've covered some of the ways that it doesn't work and some of the ways that we can use it to our advantage. I'll just say live tweeting hearings is actually fun. At least I find it fun. Yes. I don't know if everybody finds it fun. I think it's fun. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I have um, one of my favorite things I ever live tweeted was a hearing where all the DAs testified against um, criminal justice reform, the then DAs. We've luckily replaced most of uh, a bunch of them. And uh, it's just some of the silly things that they say out loud. And you remember that they're the top lawyers in the cities for prosecuting. Um, I don't know. It's just one of my, just an, as another reminder of how, of how broken our system is, but it was a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, we will talk to folks next week.